What's up, guys? It's time to go Behind the Bum. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Bum. Today's episode I'm calling COVID and Chill, and I kind of want to talk about what's going on in the world. I know I've been the kind of person who has been doing things lately, and I go back and forth kind of fighting in my brain, like, should I do this? Should I not be doing this? Is this stupid? Is this the right decision? And I think we all get clouded by mainstream media, and it just seems like a big political scheme at this point. So I decided to invite my friend Dr. Leo on for this episode so I can ask him a million questions and hopefully we could all get some clarity on this without awful perception on the news. So what's up? All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, Well, I hope you help my brain because I am a lost cause right now. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, you do live in New York, and uh, there is a safer sex and COVID-19 guidance from the New York Health Department, it's, it's, so you should be fine. It's been not as bad, like I feel like here. It sounds weird to say, but it doesn't seem as bad. All right. So, so what have you been doing up. so far? I want to start by asking you, like, what do you specialize in as a doctor And like, what has your role been or has it changed throughout like the pandemic? Of course. Um, So I'm a medical doctor and I am a scientist um, and I'm a cancer researcher. So that's my my professional role. And um, during the pandemic, when the pandemic started, we started shifting our our attention into finding ways to uh, cope and perhaps halt the spread of the coronavirus. And that was back in February. Um, So I have advised multiple groups that were attempting to um, cope with with the crisis, um, like COVID Act Now and uh, the National Convalescent Plasma Project. Um, And there I am an investigator uh, and researcher which basically means that I'm up to date to uh, the new science that is coming up um, and in contact uh, with scientists and researchers around the world that are trying to find novel treatments, trying to find novel ways to um, increase our precautions um, and making sure we understand how how fast the virus is able to um, get within a community. Yeah, yeah. so you are actively like yourself going through um, trying to find vaccines and things like that, or you're just like aware of what's going on? Um, So it happens in both ways. Um, I am myself trying to understand better um, how the virus works. So I want to understand um, how different this virus is from the other coronaviruses that we have going in in our communities that cause you know, uh, milder symptoms and we can get by um, easily. Um, And also I'm trying to understand what kind of medications um, are out there that could perhaps be repurposed, um, like uh, remdesivir, for example. Um, And that happens because that that is an already uh, approved drug for, for HIV that we are now using for some patients with COVID-19. Interesting. Have you had COVID? I didn't. Uh, no, I was lucky enough to 
have uh, a, a better understanding of how bad this was going to be earlier on. And I have been sheltering in place since mid-February. That's wild. And you're in it California has been a while. Right now, correct? I'm in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I know a lot of friends who have gotten it here in New York, but like I haven't gotten it and I tested for the antibodies and it came back negative. So. Oh, too bad. I know. I was like kind of hoping. I was like, you know what? Maybe I got it on a plane, but no. <laughs> well, didn't. most young adults um, that are healthy will be able to kick it um, and will be able to cope with it. Yeah, it's just like nerve-wracking knowing you possibly have something that people are dying from, you know? Like That's true. Out. So That's true. One of the things that I feel like people go back and forth on the news about is like, do you wear the mask? Do you not wear the mask? Is the mask a waste of time? Like, what do you think is the right or wrong thing to be doing? All right. So first of all, all of my statements and opinions are uh, solely my own. So I'm sharing just um, with you and with your listeners as a informed adult, uh, and they are not medical advice. So for that, I always say, uh, check out what your health department is saying and what the, new, uh, the newest guidance is from the CDC. Um, secondly, um, masks work uh, as a form of barrier from you and the virus. So we do know that um, some masks work better than others. Um, back in the beginning of March, we were talking about um, strategies that would include uh, the widespread use of masks, like uh, following the pattern that Singapore and South Korea did. Um, but it took us uh, as a country a little bit longer to understand the value of um, the widespread use of masks. And yeah. of course, there is, there is uh, the, impl the social implications of using masks. Uh, but we do know that they work. So personally, I use it every time I go outside for a walk, for a run, for a jog, for a bike ride, um, and so on. And I encourage people to do the same. Unless... Um, they already have the antibodies. I'm like indifferent on the antibody thing. Somebody today literally told me, they're like, I heard if you have the antibodies, you're only good for six months. I was like, where do you guys get this information from? Like who even knows? So, so the antibodies are, are a very interesting thing. Usually um, your body would develop uh, a response, a immune response uh, to a virus or, or a bacteria. Um, and sometimes this immune response is lasting. So if you have, let's say, chickenpox uh, as a kid, um, it's very likely that you're not going to have chickenpox again mm -hmm. because your body develops permanent uh, immune response. There are some you know, individuals that do not uh, have that, but they are the outliers. With COVID-19, <clears throat> first we thought that uh, because it's so new, um, we thought that the immune response was not going to be uh, long-lasting. And we did see some doctors in Singapore and some doctors in South Korea uh, fall ill to the disease multiple times. Wow. Um, and that pushed back the idea that antibodies would actually protect you. Um, but we do know now is that um, some people will develop 
good antibodies that are um, now lasting for a few months. We can't say for sure how long they will last. So we don't actually know the exact number of months um, or perhaps years that a person will be able to uh, be protected against the virus and, uh, once they, they got it and developed antibodies because the, re the immune response to the disease, it's very heterogeneous. So not everyone gets sick and get recovered at the same time yeah. and in the same way, which is very different for us. It sounds like a mess, <laughs> which is why we're not where we are right now. Um, well, I have a million dollar question for you that I think a lot of people um, <laughs> want to know, including myself, is when do you think it's like okay or allowed for people to start like hooking up with people, whether you want to call that with people you were seeing before or like our basic grinder culture? Right. So that's a very difficult question because it's a very personal choice. And if you listen to Dr. Fauci's interview with Peter Hamby uh, on Vanity Fair, I think, um, he actually laid out uh, beautifully that, you know, it's a very difficult decision because there are social implications to, uh, to permitting or not permitting people to meet other people for sexual encounters. Mm -hmm. So the overarching idea is, um, you are the best judge uh, of yourself and of your health and whoever you're going to encounter to have sex. Uh, the New York Health Department uh, did uh, release a statement on safer sex and COVID where, uh, uh, have you had a chance to read it? I have not. I think okay. I read something back in the day though that said something super weird, like they were encouraging like glory holes or something because it was like less contact and i was like what it's like it was something super weird i read it's 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 very um 2020 <laughs> 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 so um so basically the, the the overarching idea is that you are your best sex partner so they encourage that you uh you know you you explore those alternatives um, but also the idea of what, a, what we call now a immune commune, which is basically uh, a small circle of people that agree on only having relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. That can be uh, a family, um, that can be uh, friends, or that can be in uh, a sexual um, activity as well. Uh, so the more you get exposed to other people whom you have no control over and whom you have no control of where their whereabouts were or how exposed they were, the likelier you are to encounter the virus. So in a city like New York, where you have a very high prevalence of the virus, meaning the virus is everywhere there, uh, the chance of you encounter, encountering someone who is a carrier and is right now asymptomatic, it's pretty high. So uh, for New Yorkers, uh, you should definitely limit the contact with other people that are outside your household. So that is to say that this is the perfect time to date and go monogamous. Got it. It's, well, <laughs> I'm going to get into the whole monogamous thing, but back to like, I guess I'm going to just hone in on New York for 
quick since that's where I am at the moment. But I don't know if you've noticed, but like on social media, there's been like a whole bunch of bashing and shaming of like, I would say mostly gay men. Um, I would say for not following quarantine rules. So we can make references to the meth gala or um, there's like a block party that happens in Hell's Kitchen on the corner of 59th and 9th, or excuse me, 51st and 9th from like 8 to 11 every single day. And I would say there's probably anywhere between two to 300 gays who are standing there drinking margaritas with no masks on. And I won't lie, I have attended numerous occasions at this point after being here um, in like warm weather for two months now. And you can't help but think, is this like the right thing to be doing? Or I don't know. Sometimes you come home at night and you're like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. You know? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you and I understand. I understand the need to uh, be social. I understand the need to communicate with other people. We are social animals. Uh, the Humans are social animals. So we do have this uh, intrinsic desire to be in contact with other people, whether that is to hang out um, and share a drink or share a story um, or to hook up. Um, yeah. So anything that, um, that puts a barrier into those natural wishes of the human being, um, it will, of course, uh, spark outrage and will spark what we are just describing, which is defiance um, of the rules. Yeah. So um, there are a couple of things that you, you can do, right? So if you decide, if your personal choice is to go and have sex outside of your close contact, meaning someone that you live with or someone that is your uh, lifelong partner, um, you have to first closely monitor yourself for symptoms. Uh, you know, it's very, uh, it's very important to, if you do that, uh, to go out and, and get a saliva test or get a swab test. In New York, I know that there are multiple sites that do that. Um, and most importantly, take precautions while meeting people that are at risk. So that's one part. And I'm going to touch on the, uh, on the gatherings as well. Yes. Uh, uh, so taking precautions, uh, precautions well, with people that are in the high risk of developing a bad part of the disease or uh, a worse um, feature of the disease, it's really important because the, you know, your neighbor that is a 65-year-old or a diabetic, or has heart conditions, or is obese, are more likely to, to be hospitalized um, and need intensive care in case they fall ill from the disease. So we have to be conscientious about that. In terms of, uh, of gathering uh, with friends, what I say is you're not a tree. So if you don't like where you are, you can move. So yeah. if, you, if you go to what it was supposed to be a small gathering of four or five friends and you're being respectful, and then suddenly it becomes a rage with, you know, 200 people, 300 people, and it's a block party, and that makes you feel uncomfortable, you should leave. Yeah. Um, but again, um, you know, civil liberties are very hard to, uh, to take away from people. And that's why a lot of doctors are having a difficult time into communicating with health officials about the need for contact tracing. Because again, we will require the location of a person yeah. and not everyone is willing to share that. And that is a fair question. And that is a fair, um, 
concern. I feel like my, a lot of things that I go back and forth in my brain about is you're with, let's say like 15 of your friends and you're like, well, they're not sick and we're all together. So like, if one of us gets it, we're all going to get it. And it's been that mindset, I would say for probably like six weeks now. So like you, it makes you almost feel more okay because it's like, you know, you're all in this boat together, if that makes sense. Like, even though we only all see each other, let's say whether like that group of guys, we go to Central Park, but we only are sitting with each other. But nonetheless, like who's to say someone walks by me? Who's to say like, I don't throw a Frisbee at someone because it like landed on me and I just pass it back to somebody. You know what I mean? Like there's right. just so many or weird a dog comes near you and licks your feet. Yeah, like there's just so many weird interactions you have throughout like being in public, especially in New York, that it's just like it's it's difficult to think about how much human contact you like secretly do have without actually having. So yeah. I've been trying yeah, to there, there, the there are multiple layers to this. And as you're saying, yeah. uh, and I agree with you one hundred percent that it's very difficult to uh, protect yourself while you're out. Uh, and that's why when we talk about, when, when health officials talk about wearing a mask, it doesn't mean that you only have to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask, but you also have to be very mindful of what you're touching. Are yeah. you touching someone else's phone? Are you touching someone else's uh, volleyball? Are you touching someone else's dog? Are you touching someone else's bandana? Um, and, you know, are you kissing someone? Yeah. And you know that the virus spreads through saliva. So on that note, if you're sharing a glass of wine with someone, uh, that may put you into a higher risk of contacting um, or, or getting sick from, from COVID. But again, uh, those are personal choices and those are personal precautions. So what I would recommend is the recommendation from um, the New York um, health department, it's pretty straightforward. And it's, uh, it's very uh, crisp, crystal clear of what you can do and what you can't do. So I'll follow that. Um, but also be conscientious of how, how willing are you to, to get sick? Can yeah. you get sick right now? Uh, do, you, do you have uh, an ability or to you know, go down for a couple of weeks if necessary um, or not? Uh, and that That's that personal choice, thought, right? Yeah, that personal choice has to cross your mind while you're going to the park and hanging out with strangers. It's difficult. So in yeah. the United States, though, right? I feel like lately um, we've been seeing like cases rise like exponentially in at least like 25 of the 50 states, um, and that's like at the current moment. So like. For anybody who doesn't live in the U.S., um, each state in the United States is in charge of their own reopening plan and making their own rules and guidelines, essentially. So I can only really give an example on New York. But so, for example, in New York, we're starting phase two. And phase two in New York means you're allowed to have outdoor dining. You're allowed to go shopping in retail stores. Um, but obviously, everything is with limited capacity. So a question I have for you is... Just because the government says it's safe to do these things, should you be doing these things? Well, that's a great question. And, and, and thanks so much for asking, because I think this is a very important point. Um, and the, the answer to that is how important it is for you to get outside. 
some folks have a harder time than others giving up things like going to a restaurant. But some other families or some other individuals are not, uh, are not suffering because of that. So New York right now is on track to contain COVID um, by many, many measures, including the infection rate, the positivity on the test rate, uh, the ICU headroom usage, um, and, and contact tracing implemented. So on average, uh, each person in New York with COVID is infecting less than one person. So that number, it's, it's a very important, um, and encourage people to go to covidactnow.org and find out in their state um, how much of a risk they are in case they decide to go um, out of their quarantine. Like, for example, Georgia. Georgia has only uh, 6% of contacts traced, which basically means that there are too many cases and too little tracing. So you lose a handle on where the disease is. That's bad, yeah. Um, so going to restaurants, uh, going to uh, bars or, or going to stores could be safe if you're taking the precautions and if your state is doing what it should. Like for example, Governor Cuomo is doing a terrific job um, and it is finally being um, able to, uh, uh, to open up New York um, slowly um, but again, you, you, that does not mean that you should not use masks or that you should not be using hand sanitizer or washing your hands frequently yeah. or not touching your mouth and nose. So you still should like ease into the opening plan, basically. Don't just 100% go shopping because you're like, oh, I want to go fucking to the Zara sale. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, 100%. This is not the time to, uh, go into crowds or to be around uh, people that you don't know um, if how they're feeling. So I think um, as we move along through the year, to th through the course of the year, um, most states will have some sort of reopening. Um, but I, I am afraid that people will not take the precautions necessary and we will then have uh, uh, another big wave of COVID uh, infections. And then, you know, sheltering in place one more time will, will not be fun and it will mean that we failed. So um, I and think it's I think also- we all have PTSD from the first time. <laughs> totally, uh, I think everyone does. Yeah, so the thought of, I think for me, I think we need to get our shit together before winter because I think as long as we kind of have our shit together before it gets like cold out and like flu season happens, which like I think is around October. Um, I think if we can do that before then, then like maybe this second wave that could potentially come when it gets cold out again, won't be as detrimental. Well, it's, it's not wrong to think that way. And I think a simpler way of looking at this is, look, we don't want to go through what we got, went through in the past four months, three, four months, um, but we still don't have a vaccine and we still don't have uh, effective treatment available for people that are not in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have uh, something that would work well like Tamiflu did for the H1N1 epidemic. Um, had we had those things, had we had a vaccine and 
and, and treatment and, and an effective prophylaxis that you could just take a drug and not get sick, that would be incredible. And that would be a different uh, picture. But now what we are doing is um, basically containing uh, people's interaction in order for people to, to not get sick. So we don't um, overload the healthcare system. Yeah. Um, so, so having that in mind, it's important. And one of the questions that you can ask yourself while you're, you're considering going out is how, um, how willing are you to take risk in getting sick? If, if your answer is, well, I'm pretty confident that that group of people uh, did not get in touch with COVID, it's your personal decision to then uh, go out and, and do your thing. Do your damage. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so one of the things we keep touching on is like testing and tracing. And I think even on the news, they keep making it seem like those are like two key factors that are going to be in this whole thing to like get us out of the pandemic we're in. So how often do you think people should be going to get tested if they are kind of just like living a normal day-to-day -day life, but like still following the phases, if you want to call it? Right. So if first... If you think you got exposed to, to COVID, it's, it's fair to go and get tested. So if you think you came across or if your friend that you were hanging out with starts getting ill or tells you that, um, that he is ill, um, it's very important for you to seek medical attention, whether that is via telemedicine, via um, um, an app, um, mm -hmm. or straight on uh, to the testing centers. And on that note, it's very important for people to not lie about, about their whereabouts. So uh, communication at this time, it's crucial. So you can protect your friends from getting something that you, perhaps you, you had. So um, with my friends, we, kept, we keep a very uh, straightforward communication of uh, whether or not they, they've been uh, naughty and went out and broke the quarantine. <laughs> And, and if yeah. they and if had if they did that, um, you know, it would be a personal decision to engage with them or not. Um, so I think you, you can get tested if it's available anytime you feel that you potentially encountered the virus or someone that you had contact with may have gotten sick. Fair. Okay, so I should probably go like every other week minimum. <laughs> or perhaps you can take better care. New York is, oh, I'm telling you, I feel like something about being in the city is extremely difficult and not even a friend-wise thing. I think it's just the lifestyle of being in New York. It's like you go outside, just like go for a run, right? If you go for a run, you know you're going to see three people who know you or they're like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in months. How are you? And you're like, fuck, like I didn't plan on running into these people. But when you live in these other places around the world where your lifestyle is like, you're getting in a car to purposely go somewhere, like that's a 30 minute life decision of, should I do this? Should I keep driving to my grandma's house? You know what I mean? But like just yeah. your normal day-to-day -day life in New York, you go well, to- Well, if, if, you're, if you're going to this block parties and if you're- um, that was like with two strangers. Was, you're not going to see yes. your grandma this year, or no, you shouldn't. I, at least I'm aware. I'm. I gave my own self that lecture. Correct. 
And I'm going to give you a story. Um, I have a friend in New York that he told me that he was doing, um, you know, sheltering in place and he was being good. And when I went to Twitter the other day, I saw a picture of him hanging out in one of those parties. And I immediately sent a screenshot to him and then he, um, he came clean and he said that he did go to the party for a few minutes. So, you know, people are watching. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and the bad part is that if you, you know, if you break out your quarantine and you go and, and mingle with 200 other strangers and you do get sick and someone you love gets sick, that's going to be very hard for you to deal with later. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm avoiding anybody who is in the immune compromised section and my whole family. I mean, I, my family's from like four hours away, so I haven't seen them and probably won't see them until Thanksgiving. I'm like well aware of that, but it's definitely, I would say we have like this group that like is very close and we like do dinners, we see each other and we're behaved yeah. at the end of the day, you know, who to stay away from. Cause obviously people talk and it's like, okay, like I know you went to this like underground party or like, I know you hooked up with these people. It's like, it's exactly. It's yeah. You hear things. Yeah. So, so instead of hiding now, it's the time for people to actually, you know, expose what they're doing. So yeah. I don't agree with folks that are shaming other people for going to this party and shaming people for, uh, breaking out of Dean because we know how the pandemic is affecting their mental health. And I think it's really important to talk about that too. There are a lot of people, especially the gay community, that live by themselves, that they don't have uh, contact with other folks outside of work. They don't have a good uh, support from their families. So they crave uh, human interaction and it's a natural craving. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is important um, to make sure that because of you know, that need, they don't uh, feel that they need to hide from their friends what they are doing, but rather, you know, if you, if you went um, out with someone and you decided to break your, your quarantine or you went to a party where you shouldn't, it's fair that you just tell people that you are doing that. So you protect them from yourself. Yeah, yeah. I agree. As hard as that may seem. Listen, I think every time I feel like I'm in this temptation mode, I just always think back back to like March and April because I feel like that for me was like a really tough time mentally and everything. And so nothing will ever compare to being that bad. Like March and April was I like hope so. so tough that like I feel like I'm like fine on this like trajectory I'm on with just like seeing a couple of people here and there. And like, yes, I've gone to the block party like twice. I'm not going to lie about it. But like, it's what you do on a regular basis. I'm just trying to like come up with like a normal, healthy routine that I'm comfortable with. And that I feel like is keeping me safe or else you're just going to be riddled with anxiety. I hear you. Uh, and again, it, it makes sense to, to crave those interactions. And, and unfortunately, we are not at the best time in life to be social. This is the time for you to go monogamous and start dating one person or maybe a couple, but, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I've been alone though. So like, I mean, in the grant, like in the sense I'm alone in an apartment, 
So like, it's like, you need so to- So you're like, the person that at the end of this should come out uh, completely clean. I guess you would Because no that. one would infect you because you're sheltering in place safely. In theory, in theory. That's, how, that's how the stats would go, yes. <laughs> All right, Dr. Leo, we're gonna take a quick break from our sponsor and then I'm gonna come back and I have a couple more questions for you. Sounds great. Okay, so Leo, one of the things I want to ask you is have you broken quarantine at all? And don't lie. Um, I haven't. No, I've been what? like I mean, I've been out. Uh, I've been doing hikes. Um, I've been um, social distancing and seeing friends from a distance. But I haven't uh, broke the quarantine. I'm kind of envious of you. You're like a good, a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, so one of the things I've been thinking about and talking about with some of my friends is once this all kind of settles and ends, do you think there's going to be like a big kind of like sexual uprising? Or do you think there's going to be a lot of people who are like living in fear for a little bit where they're like scared to kind of like be with someone sexually? Good point. And I think both things can be true. Um, I think some people will, you know, have that teenage feeling of like, well, now I can do it. I will go all in and do it. Mm-hmm. But my gut feeling from the people that I'm friends with, they are going to be very cautious. I think, um, you know, COVID is going to be with us for, for a very long time. I don't foresee anything uh, that will be magically delivered and uh, it will resolve the COVID crisis um, in the next year. Um, so I do think that once we develop a vaccine that actually works and uh, once we have that vaccine, let's say approved by the regulatory agencies and the manufacturers would have to deliver 330 million doses of vaccine for the US LL. And there's 7 billion people in the world. So the challenge there is, uh, how do you open the borders again? So if people in Brazil are not, uh, don't have the vaccine and don't have the ability to um, you know, get immunity uh, from, from this, are you going to reopen the border and let them in and perhaps carry the disease? Are you gonna test everyone in the airport? Are you gonna test everyone in every port of entry? It's a very difficult and logistical nightmare. So That's that is to say, to think about. <laughs> it is. So that is to say that I don't expect that um, the solution will come anytime uh, soon, 100%. I think we're making a lot of progress and just to be able to you know, sit in a restaurant outside and have a meal with a friend uh, or a couple, um, it's a very big win. And I think we should be grateful and enjoy that, but not to, um, to be too hopeful and thinking that, you know, by December, we're going to have fire festival. Yeah. We're going to not be really international travelers for a little bit. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Yeah. I think so, that sounds right. I know one of the things we touched on is the mental challenge behind this whole thing, right? Yeah. What is like some kind of mental challenges or like a self-realization you went through throughout this whole process? Well, first of all, I think uh, it's a very difficult uh, space to be when you know something is going to be bad and people are not doing something about it yet. 
So uh, for once, I, I am an Equinox member. So by February that I was, you know, aware that the, the COVID crisis would become a pandemic, I started calling my Equinox here in San Francisco and telling them, please shut down, please close the doors. Yeah. And they called me crazy. Um, and, they and this was in February. Should... Yeah. Wow. And I have emails that I've exchanged with the manager in San Francisco. And, and I was just like, you know what? I saw people coughing today at the gym. So I'm not coming back, but you guys should close this steam room, should close the swimming pool, and should close the gym. And they would just reply saying, you know, you're crazy. This is never going to happen. We're not going to shut down. And I said, fine. So I started calling health officials and I started asking them to please close down the gyms. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, the first challenge. And, and the second challenge is what are you going to do with all the time that you have when all your plans are pulled down? I'm a very active person, so I'm usually traveling uh, on the weekends uh, for pleasure, and I'm very uh, for work. I'll travel once a month or so. So when all of those trips were were pulled down, and I don't have to commute anymore, and I work from home, I got a lot of time in my hands, and I can't uh, be too long without a task. So I started to learn how to do different things. Yeah, I feel like this was a time that like you in the midst of quarantine, you're like, wow, shit, like all I actually do is hang out with my friends, go out and drink. And like, I have no hobbies. That was like a weird realization. Like I went through yeah. and I was like, is like, what the fuck? I was like, what do I even like to do? And it was kind right. of and this is like, to sit yeah. there and be like, you don't even know what you enjoy that doesn't involve social skills. Like you can't just like, like I've never sat down and read a book. I've never been a video game guy to just be able to sit in front of a video game and play for hours. So I feel like hobby wise for me, I've been like on this learning curve being like, should I just like paint a picture? <laughs> like, <what's laughs> that's, that's cute. Um, I, I started learning how to cold. Um, so I'm a, I'm a physician. I'm not a software engineer, but I needed to learn how to do something. So I started taking courses online and learning how to cold. Um, I started uh, learning a different language. Um, and um, what else have I been doing? And I've been helping literally everyone that reaches out. So a bunch of nonprofits and a bunch of different uh, enterprises that need advice, they, they just reach out because I'm, I'm willing and available That's to awesome. help. Well, my last yeah. question for you is, do you think we are going to get hit by a second wave. I know a lot of people keep mentioning that about there's a second wave that's coming. Do you think it's inevitable? So here's what I think. Um, I think San Francisco, um, California, LA, um, Seattle, uh, and the Washington state actually handled the crisis pretty well uh, by acting earlier. So cities that were supposed to be hit harder, like San Francisco, LA, and Seattle, were able to cope quickly with the crisis by putting everyone in, in, in the lockdown and the sheltering in place order. Uh, so we know that that works. So contact tracing is important because we can easily find out uh, where the new outbreak is in case there is one. So when we talk about a second wave, 
It's not that it's going to come as a tsunami that will hit us unprepared because we already been through the first through the first wave. So I think it will come in waves, uh, not a second or a third or a fourth. It will come in waves, and those waves will be better managed because we know more about the virus and about the disease uh, right now than we knew six months ago. Yeah. In case we were, it, should we know this this data by December last year or January, uh, we would have been better pre prepared. But unfortunately, the data that we um, were relying on uh, didn't give us a clear picture of what it would be like. So instead of worrying about yeah. what's going to happen uh, in the future, I would worry about make sure that you know you have a support system um, in case you do get sick that you are in close contact with your friends uh, and your family. And one thing that I, I don't agree with is that we coined the term of social distancing. And for me, it's super wrong, the, the concept of social distancing. It's more the concept of physical distancing because you can still be social by engaging with people uh, you know, online and through text and through video chat and, you know, perhaps in a, a bigger physical distance. So I think there are ways of, of preventing the, the big second wave that some fear by just applying what we know now. Well, I think fingers crossed, but I mean, nothing should ever get to as bad as it was. Just numbers. That's right. Even just because I feel like the minute they were to even remotely spike, I feel like hopefully common sense would be like, shut like everything down, like we're going back to square one, right? Like we're not going to go back to that. So I feel like absolute worst right. case will be shut down for two weeks and then slowly reopen back to where we started. But it's definitely going to be a while that I think we're in this. It's going to be with us for a while and we have to learn how to um, manage and keep our you know, plans in place and perhaps tweak the plans if you were planning on you know, getting married, you might just elope. If you're planning on, um, you know, dating multiple people, at, um, <laughs> you might just want to stick to a couple that are going to be good with you. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, Dr. Leo, thank you so much. You're I welcome. Um, hope pleasure. This will help some people listening who keep asking a million questions. Um, this definitely gave me some things to think about, to say the least. So, Good. yes, I hopefully meet you soon. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks so much for reaching out. Feel free to drop me a note in case your listeners have more questions. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Leo yeah. Nisola, MD. Um, and please stay safe. Yes, everyone, stay safe, wear a mask. And if you're going to hook up with someone, don't go see your family. Good deal. Hi, <laughs> <All laughs> right, Dr. Leo. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for calling.